Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Amen. All right, come with me uh, to the book of Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. A little quiet this morning. I think we got the interns. Where are they at? Um, it's a missions day, so the interns are away. Amen. Solutions for change is going to be so good. Uh, yesterday, I had, yesterday, I went to uh, the prayer meeting at, at North, and uh, our amazing pastor, Alex Clark, was leading and leading like a boss, like a boss. He was leading like a boss, like a box of chocolates. And... Um, and he just said, oh, you know, because um, you're here, do you want to share something at the end of worship? And I actually, I like going with, with nothing. So nothing's kind of skewed or prepared. So I can just kind of hear in the moment. And uh, the word of the Lord came to me straight away uh, about warfare. That, that uh, you know, and I was honest. I said, you know, if I was to ask right now, even though we're two weeks out from Emerge, how many men right now are facing a battle? Every man would, would put his hand up. And, uh, and I said, because, you know, I've been a Christian 36 years and I actually don't know a season where I haven't been in, in warfare. I don't know a season where I haven't been in warfare. So this morning I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, I want you to, to just kind of break that open a little bit and share with, with the staff. And so the title of my message this morning is A Believer's Wars. A Believer's Wars. So in, in the book of Exodus chapter 17, verse 16, um, you, you, should, you, should know, you should be familiar with the story at least because um, Amalek has come out to, to, to strike or to war against Israel. Moses says to Joshua, choose some men and you go and fight against Amalek in the valley, I'm going to take Aaron and <clears throat> her with me and the rod of God, and I'm, I'm actually going to go up onto the mountaintop. He wasn't going up onto the mountaintop because it was safe. He was going up onto the mountaintop because he understood a, a kingdom principle of warfare. And you can wear yourself out in the valley if you don't understand the power of the mountaintop. And so he goes up there with the, with the rod of God and, and holds the rod of God. And the Bible says, while the rod of God was exalted towards heaven, Israel were winning in the valley. But when Moses be, began to become weary and his arms began to become fatigued, he lowered his hands. And the Bible says an Amalek prevailed. An Amalek prevailed. It's a... It is a, a, a very, very sad thing when leaders become wore out. When, when, when the leader became weary in spiritual warfare and spiritual activity on the mountain, the casualties were piling up in the valley. 
why it's very, very important that, that, uh, that we understand how to navigate spiritual things. Worship is, worship is, is the, the, the most potent and the most powerful relief in a time of warfare. Worship is, is so important because worship disconnects from the engagement of the warfare, the spiritual warfare around you, and just reconnects again with the reassurance that God is seated on the throne, that He is most high, there is none higher, that He is almighty God, that He is, that he is all-powerful, that He is he's not standing, He's not pacing, He's not anxious. He is seated. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. And when, 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 you, when you worship, believe it or not, even though you're worshiping God, the, the, you, you cannot worship almighty God and not be overwhelmed, not actually become, for lack of a better term, inebriated, intoxicated, uh, drunk, um, overflowing with the benefits with the benefits of God. I, I have not found in 36 years a greater place to retreat than worship. I've not found it. And, and men, men, men that have found other places have not, have found that those other places lead to their demise. It's amazing. Even last year in Cabo San Lucas and, you know, Pastor Mike Yeager probably set me up a little bit here because I don't, I don't know Espanol. And he said, when you, get to, when you get to Cabo, he said, Pastor, all you need to learn is uno mas por favor. Uno mas por, I didn't know what it means. And, uh, but I, I, found, I found myself saying yes to maybe one or two too many spicy margaritas. They tasted good and they made me feel quite happy. But I realized that keep going down that pathway and it's not, a, it's not a good pathway. Nothing good happens down that road. But worship, worship is, worship is, is the greatest retreat. It is the greatest, it is the greatest fortress that you can run to. The Bible says the name of the Lord, uh, um, Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The righteous run to it and are safe. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a strong tower in God that we run to. And I've got to tell you, when you get to that strong tower and you recognize the name of the Lord, that's the time to sing. You'll find that we have the Psalms because David discovered that the Lord was his rock, his fortress, his shield, and ever-present help in times of trouble. David was a worshiper before he was a warrior. So, so Moses is up on the mountain and so Aaron and her seat him on a rock and they hold his arms up till the going down of the sun. And the Bible says, and that day Israel defeated Amalek. And the Bible says, and, and the Lord brought about a great victory for Joshua. It, Joshua literally thought in the valley, oh, we conquered territory. We, we, we took territory. Josh, Joshua thought he had no idea what was happening on the mountain. It was happening on the mountain. I honestly believe that the buildings that are locked the permits that are stuck is, is we can push harder in the valleys. We can fight harder. We can stress. We can strive. We can strain. But stress, strive, strain doesn't establish kingdom. 
there's something that, that needs to happen on the mountaintop. If you don't have victory on the mountaintop, you don't have it in the valley. And so God says this, and this is, this is just all introduction. So God says this in, in, Genesis, in uh, Exodus 17, 16. Uh, Moses builds an altar there and calls his name, the Lord is our banner. And then he says in verse 16, for he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. God has sworn that we'll have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I could have named this message the necessity of adversity. But I just want you to know that in this Christian life, you will never not be in a state of war. Sometimes we think, well, if, I, if, I'm, in, if I'm in a battle, if man, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm, man, the, the devil's coming at me. Man, Pastor, I'm really struggling. Man, I'm, I'm in a war. Man, what is wrong with me? We were just at Emerge. We were just down the front. We sang Lion. Like we... We got our lion heart on. I even got some Emerge merch on. And yet I'm still battling with my mind, battling with my soul, battling with temptation, battling with the devil, battling with spiritual warfare, arguing over here, struggling over there. Man, what is going on? God says, God said that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So therefore, I now conclude from that verse that if I'm not at war with Amalek, and Amalek represents the flesh, if I'm not at war with something, maybe, maybe, maybe God has bypassed me because God says, I will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The reason, the reason, the reason that you and I are in a constant and a perpetual state of warfare is because God is growing you. God is preparing you. God, God is processing you. God, God is developing you. It was a king that emerged from a shepherd boy because of a man by the name of Goliath. Because of the adversity of a giant, because of the necessity of a a. a, a demonic force standing in a valley a shepherd boy goes into the valley but a king emerges from the valley David becomes a warrior David becomes a conquer, conqueror David becomes a territory taker now let me just say this God has given you authority Jesus said Matthew 28 18 to 20 he says go into all the world preach the gospel baptize father son holy spirit teaching them to observe what I've taught you I'll be with you always because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. So I need you to understand that, that, that Jesus has all authority. And that authority flows, that authority is meant to flow into our lives. That there is nothing in this world that, that Jesus doesn't give you authority over. Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you authority, I give you power, authority over all the power of the enemy. You'll handle serpents, crush them under your feet. Nothing but will by any means harm you. So, so Jesus gives us authority. So we know that we have authority over things. However, you and I establish that authority by what we overcome. We God has already defeated every devil. God has already conquered every territory. But there's a battle for every territory in your life and in my life. And when I take his authority 
and walk into my destiny. When I take His authority and conquer a territory, I now have authority. I have now established His authority resides in me. So that's why you will continually find God working in certain areas and certain things of the flesh and certain temptations and appetites and issues and struggles because God is trying to establish His authority through you. So we know that the devil is already defeated, but yet he goes uncontested. We, 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 we know that we have authority over areas, and yet there are areas where the devil is still whooping me. People come into our church and God has given them authority, and yet they're still struggling with the poverty mentality. They're still struggling with stinginess. They're still overcome by, by bitterness and dysfunction and infidelity because God has, it's not that God has withheld authority. God has given them authority. They just haven't outworked it. They just haven't applied it. So I want to show you three areas where, where I believe that God uh, keeps us in a state of warfare. The first war is the war above. The, the first war is the war above. Joshua's fighting in the valley. Moses is on the mountaintop. And the warfare for Moses is keeping the rod extended. The, 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 the warfare, the, one of the greatest warfares that you and I can face is can you worship in a time of war? Can you worship in a time of warfare? Can you, can you honor, can you bless can you magnify, can you praise when all hell is chaos in the valley? This is the first battle. I honestly believe it's, it's, it's a true thing in warfare. We see that work in the natural, that whoever controls the heavenly realm controls the territory. Before, before they send in the ground troops, they always send in the air troops. The air force comes and bombs strategic targets takes out strongholds, takes out hideouts, destroys, you know, their airfields and their landing strips and their silos and their ammunitions. The, 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 the air comes in. Then once they've devastated, once they've shocked and awed, then they send in the ground troops to clean up. If they were just to send in the ground troops straight away, there'd be mass casualties. So they, 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 they send in the air force. That tells me that they understand something about winning wars. You and I can't win wars by striving against the devil in our flesh, in our strength. Burnout happens when we're ignorant of biblical truths. People burn out and break down because they, they try harder in their flesh. They strive and strain and stress in the flesh when the, the victory needs to be won in the heavenly realm. The devil knows whoever, that's why, that's why he's not the prince and the power of Madagascar. He's not the prince and the power of the terra firma. The Bible says he's the prince, and, prince of the air. He's the prince of the air. Ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the against principalities, against powers, against thrones, against dominions, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. The battle is always who controls the heavenly realms. Who controls the heavenly realms. Right now, America, in fact, the world is in a warfare because for the longest time, we said nothing, we did nothing. And we allowed, we allowed the airwaves 
to be occupied by those who not only resist God, but they oppose God. In, in 2016, people were, were, and part of being a leader is that people misunderstand you. Uh, in 2016, people, people thought I just had a, you know, a, like a groupie obsession with, with Donald Trump, that I was, you know, that was like my, my football team and I couldn't. But I, I felt like Donald Trump was not only an interrupter, but I felt that God had anointed him like God had anointed Gideon, like God had anointed Jephthah, like God had anointed Shamgar, like God had anointed David. I felt that, 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 that Donald Trump was anointed to, to, to save in such a time as this, that an inside establishment, smooth-talking, compromising politician could not overcome and disrupt the evil and the evil agenda that was, was coming down the pike. But there were people talking about, well, you know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton. So I, I went to God. I said, God, tell me, what's the difference between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? And God said, it's, it's very, very simple. It's very simple. Uh, he said, uh, Donald Trump is, is like you. He's a transgressor of my laws. He says, but Hillary Clinton, she's a despiser of my laws. Donald Trump, he's not perfect. He's like you. He breaks my laws. He's but Hillary Clinton, she despises my laws. That's the difference. And it just, just gave me a, a, great, a great picture. It's very, very important we understand that. So the airwaves, the airwaves have been dominated. If you, if you go to, to Israel, the, the, the Muslims who live in Israel, that they, they build their mosques and they have minarets. And the reason they have minarets on their mosque is because they, they, want, they want the highest point in the landscape to be Islam. They want the highest point because they know whoever controls the high places controls the city. All the way through your Bible, you'll talk about, but they did not bring down the high places. This king did right, was in the sight of the Lord, and he did A, B, and C, and he stopped the worship of Baal, and he got rid of the cult prostitutes, and he, he stopped the sacrificing of babies to Moloch. He, you know, he shut down Planned Parenthood. However, he did not deal with the high places. They did not, he didn't deal with the media. He didn't deal with the fake news. He didn't deal with the CNN. He didn't deal with the prophets of Baal. and the, He didn't... So the, the, the devil doesn't mind. He can rebuild the things on the earth again because whoever owns the terra firma, whoever owns the spiritual realm, whoever dominates in the spiritual realm, whoever occupies the heavenly realm, dominates in the earthly realm. If you, when we were in, in Europe, we saw that it used to be the church had the, the steeple that was the highest point. If people were staggering drunk, they could just find the church was not only in the center of town, but it was the highest point. And so they could find their way home simply by looking at the church. But today, our cities aren't, the highest point in the city isn't the church anymore. The highest points in our cities are insurance buildings and banks and bank is man's trust in mammon and insurance 
fear, not faith is the dominant spirit that occupies that territory because people that want to enslave must put your, tra your trust in something other than God and they dominate and they rule a populace through a spirit of fear. So that's why those are the tallest buildings in our cities. It's, it's all an agenda. So, but we understand, we understand that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, that whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, which tells me that whatever I don't bind remains free to roam. Whatever I don't take authority over will continue to dominate the landscape. When we came to San Diego, it wasn't just about, about clever marketing. It wasn't just about cool banners. Today, there are church planting movements and it's all about banners and location and, and uh, you know, six months, 12 months of, you know, lead up time of, you know, getting the word out and, and clever marketing and Facebook ads and, and, you know, getting momentum and having, you know, having um, preview services. And, you know, and then when you launch, you've got these banners. and the, I mean, you, you can literally plant a church today. You don't even need God. Now, you can plant what they call a church whether the kingdom recognizes it or not. I'll tell you one thing I know that the devil ain't, ain't worried about it. Slick marketing doesn't tick the devil off. Slick marketing doesn't defeat the devil. You, our banners. Yeah, but you don't understand. They drink soy lattes in that church. <gasps> you know, the devil's not scared of soy latte. In fact, he's like, we need more soy latte worship leaders. He's not, sorry boys, he doesn't, he doesn't need, he's not terrified by that. But he is terrified of a church that Shabrada Rege de Bobo Sotiara. He is terrified of a church that understands devil, we understand our authority. And even though the battle is happening in the valley, we know that victory is wrought on the mountaintop. Absolutely, the battle is in the valley, but victory happens on the mountaintop. So that's why we're a church that understands the power of prayer, understands the power of fasting. We understand that we've got to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They understand the empowerment of, of intercessors, that we, that we have to, because whatever we bind is, but whatever we lose is, if we don't bind it, it ain't bound. If we don't don't loose it, it ain't released. The devil will oppose everything. We've got to understand that the first level of warfare is the warfare above. If we don't win the warfare above, we can't win the city. We can't invade territory. We can't take downtown. We can't take Coronado. We can't take Escondido. We can't take Temecula. We can't, we can't, any city where the where the principalities and powers are dominant over that, it'll always be a battle. It'll always be a struggle. That's why we unseat the heavenly realms and then we go down. I don't believe churches should be involved in politics. Well, then you don't read your Bible because we start with dethroning the devil. We start with dethroning principalities and powers, thrones, dominions, spiritual hosts. And then we come down and we say, okay, this is the kind of governor. This is the kind of mayor. This is the kind of county supervisor. This is the kind of school board supervisor we, we understand that if we want to see a, a, a city flourish we've got to go from top down thy kingdom come they will be done on earth as it is in heaven because how how it is in heaven determines how it is on the earth how it is in heaven is how it is on earth. So if we are just, well, you know, we just need to coexist and just be friends with everybody. You're not reading your Bible. As it is in heaven, so it is on the earth. So we've got to take authority. You and I have been given authority and power in the heavenly realms. 
But if we don't exercise it, if we don't take it, if we just try and, and fight harder in the valley, the devil knows through the war of attrition, he can wear us out and we can break down. So we've got to win the battle above. Number two, we've got to win the battle within. That you will war. The first area of war is the war above. The next area of war is the war within. The war within. If I was, uh, if I was honest with you, probably the, the, the biggest, stinging, loudest, most annoying, frustrating, gosh darn it, Samuel, I graduated from seminary, graduated from Bible college, haven't graduated with a high distinction. And still my biggest enemy was my enemy. Now you would think, well, pastor, I mean, we're 36 years down that track. You must be doing pretty good now. And I would say that I've had breakthrough in a number of areas. But yesterday I had a wonderful two-hour meeting with, uh, with beautiful pastor Mike Connell. And boy, have I got some homework. <laughs> boy, have I got some homework. I thought, man, you know what? I, yeah, there's, there's these dysfunctions. And, uh, and the dysfunctions, I thought, well, you know, I've, I've dealt with, you know, the rejection, father rejection. And then the Holy Spirit showed me before I even talked to Mike, as I was praying, he says, yeah, you've, you've kind of dealt pretty much with rejection, but now it's fear of rejection that's causing you to, I'm like, shoot. And I'm like, fudge, that makes perfect sense. So then I'm talking to Mike and he says, ha, 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 as Mike does, everything's funny to Mike. My dilemma, his comedy. <laughs> I'm glad I can make you laugh at my dumbassness. Thank you. At least somebody's laughing. Other folks are crying. I'm weeping over here, but... Glad you see it as a comedy festival. And he's like, ah, I had the same, same battle. And he says there was a cluster of five demons. It's a cluster of five. It was rejection. It was fear of rejection. It was self-rejection, self-pity, and unbelief. And he began to break it down. And as he's breaking it down, I'm like, oh, M, that's my life. That's my life. That's my response. That's my thinking in all these areas. And he says, yeah, I, I had to go through three weeks of kind of spiritual warfare. And he gave me a plan. Thank God for people that have gone before us. People that, because it's so easy to fig leaf. It's so easy to mask. It's so easy to hide. It's so easy to cover. It's so easy to do those things. And, and, uh. You, you rob people. You rob people. So I actually, I actually like, so let me just say this, that while you're alive, we never arrive. While you're alive, we never, and I, I, I'm really grateful for, for a culture that, that Leanne and I felt that we wanted to build. We, we got a lot of persecution, Pastor Sterling, in the early years of our church of, hey, you guys are way too transparent. Man, I wouldn't do that. You know, it's literally like people taking, you know, like Peter when he took Jesus aside and said, Lord, this will never happen to you. You know, and I, I knew that get thee behind me, Satan. You know, they, they meant well. Peter meant well. It was just operating in a wrong spirit. And they meant well. Hey, listen, if you want people to honor and respect you, you got to get up there and say, I'm the man of God. There was a time where I used to perspire like the scum before me, but not anymore. When I was just a pleb like thee, I would perspire and I used to, I used to spend money on deodorant, but I don't need deodorant anymore because I've, I've bypassed the realm of sweat. 
I'm now just a man of God. My breath doesn't even smell. I roll over in the morning and say, good morning, darling. And she's like, my God, is that the fragrance of roses? I say, no, darling, that's, that's my breath first thing in the morning. She says, it's like a sweet, sweet aroma. It's like an aphrodisiac. Why don't you? I mean, <laughs> now, you and I are trapped in our humanity. You still have human condition that you're constantly in warfare over. And we can do two things. We can either lie about it or we can lean into what the Holy Spirit is showing him. And so I found in my life that some of the rejection, some of the trauma, some of the, the, the things that I experienced in my childhood did not just go away because I pushed them under the rug or pushed them under the bed or I thought, well, now that I'm an adult. It's one of the saddest things to see is, is people in their 70s and people in their 80s with the same thing that they had in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, in their, and they never dealt with it. They never dealt with it. Listen, we love you too much to just kind of do, do pretend church on a Sunday so that you never deal with those things because we know that those things are ceilings. We know that those things are thieves. We know that those things rob from potential. They dilute destiny. And so we, we intentionally wanted to create an atmosphere where you recognize, my God, you know, the devil may not be attacking me out there, but when I look at my world, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is the man. In other words, the external flows from the internal. And so one of the biggest battles you're going to fight, one of the greatest levels of warfare that is always there, perpetually there, is the warfare within. The warfare within is so important because your external world is always a manifestation of your internal world. That's why it's so important to have six, which is what we learned at, at Emerge. Who's your six? Who, who are people that you can go to? Who are your people say, man, I'm just thinking the dumbest thoughts. Or, man, I'm just going through this struggle. Or, man, I keep hitting the, the, same, the same patterns and the same struggles and the same issues that seems to hap happen over and over. And I would honestly, if you ask Leanne, I would tell her, no, 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 you don't understand, Leanne. It's just a coincidence. You know, that that this mess was over here, but it was them. That it was their fault. And then, yes, I know we moved from New Zealand to Australia, but no, no, no. I know it was the same mess, but it was them. They they did A, B, and C, and then to another place. And then, no, no, no I know I, I know it's the same, but it's that. And then at the end of the day, you got to look and think, what's the common denominator here? You know, I hate the prophet Michael Jackson. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. It's the man in the mirror. The man, when I look at that man in the mirror, I'm like, you're the jack wagon responsible. It's all your fault. Start with the man in the mirror, the battle within. The last one, the last one is the battle around. The battle above, the battle within, and the battle around. This morning in, in my Bible reading was uh, Balaam. Balaam. Balaam was a false prophet. Who can tell me the prophecy that he prophesied that was false? It's the craziest thing. 
Katie, not one of his prophecies were false. Not one of them was inaccurate. Every single prophet, prophecy was on the money. But I'm like, how come, how come he's labeled as a false prophet when nothing he prophesied was false? There's a whole message in that that I don't have time for. But what was interesting is the very next chapter, when it, after it deals with Balaam, the very next chapter, it says, And Israel played the harlot with the women of Moab. And they took them in. And if you read later commentaries, and if you read, read, read later passages in the Scripture, the Israelites understood that the infidelity amongst the Israelites was a direct result of Balaam. But you would say, how? He just blessed instead of cursed because Balaam did not live with Israel. He didn't necessarily live with Moab, but he was certainly courted by Moab. He was certainly hired by Moab. Moab hired him to curse Israel. He happily took their money. Harlotry, harlotry is to have intimacy for money. Intimacy for money. He's up on a mountaintop, build seven altars, bring seven oxen and seven rams, sacrifice them. He knew how to, he knew that God cannot not be drawn he knew how to bring God into for his personal gain and because he's on a mountaintop in the spiritual realm bringing intimacy for money the people in the valley the Israelites come under the spirit of harlotry because the thermostat was when Saul, when Saul set his heart against what God was doing, set his heart against David, set his heart against the giant slayer in his midst that God was raising up because he heard the women singing Saul slain thousands, but David tens of thousands. And he became jealous and envious and insecure. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord left Saul and came upon David and instead a distressing spirit a troubling spirit came upon Saul so the Bible says that David would would come in with his harp and he would begin to play worship on the harp he begin to play music on the harp and the Bible says that the, the, the demon the demonic force the tormentor the distress on on Saul would leave and Saul would become refreshed. God was teaching David about the power of controlling the atmosphere around him. There was a demon that was bringing distress. There was a, be a demon that was bringing torment. There was a demon that was bringing envy. There was a demon that was vexing Saul. But when David come in, just began to play worship, he drove out the demonic and he ushered in the peace and the presence of God. The reason we do worship is not because we've got to fill in the time till we get to the preaching. 
The reason we do worship is because people come in with all kinds of distress and all kinds of angst and all kinds of anger and animosity and bitterness and struggle and rejection and they fought with their spouses and threats were made and words were exchanged and heated things and, you know, all, all, all kinds of issues. And when they come in, we, 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 we reset, we, re, we reset the atmosphere and that which is distressing departs and that which is peaceful pervades and all of a sudden they're like, my God, what was I thinking? Honey, I love you. You're a gift from God. My God. And, 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 and reconciliation happens. The, the, the reason that we want to buy buildings around our city isn't because it makes great sense financially, even though it makes great sense financially. The reason we want to buy buildings you know, is not just so that that we can look after our, our our team in the future because we'll have all this equity and all this property. That's a good thing, but that's not why. The reason we buy buildings is because every single building is that we own that terra firma. So we literally have a thermostat over that area and we're going to... We're going to set the thermostat on worship. We're going to set the thermostat on holiness. We're going to set the, set the thermostat on righteousness. We're going to set that in this area. And the people don't even realize, they, they don't even realize what is happening. But they're like, my God, this is so peaceful. This is so beautiful. Isn't that an amazing that, that San Diego overtook San Francisco as the most expensive real estate in all of California? What happened? Well, we've got, you know, five magnificent thermostats set on righteousness, set on peace, set on joy, set on freedom, set on liberty, set on justice, set on a great place to raise family. My God, people drive in and say, my God, what is happening with this city? We're always at war. The first war is the war above. Second war is the war within. And the third war is the warfare around us. You have authority to control your environment. You have, you have authority to control your environment. Worship, praise, shatters the enemy. David walks in to a, 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 a distressed, Saul wants to kill him. Saul is throwing spears at him. David walks into an adverse environment. Well, you know, it's easy for you guys in San Diego. You don't have a crazy... Uh, actually, actually, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, but Gloria... Oh, no, tell Gloria. Yeah. Well, well, you don't have a crazy super... Oh, yes, you do. You... We, we, we walk into an environment where people are throwing spears at Awakened Church. Awakened Church are the plague rats. They're the super spreaders. They're the ones that the county supervisors don't like because, you know, they rebelled during the time where we were trying to shut down and destroy businesses and have everybody mass and have them as our little minions and our little slaves. But that, that stinking, horrible Awakened Church, and no matter how many hit pieces we did on the news media, no matter how many nightly news reports, and Awakened Church is still having services inside, and here's, you know, and they're not social distancing and, and they, no matter how many, we, we understand that we are called like David to walk into that environment. And when they said, you can't sing in church, we're like, uh, uh, uh. I, I see where this was where it was always going because you understand that when David played worship, demons fled. You want to just, you want the demons to rule over it. We ain't letting your demons 
dictate the thermostat and the atmosphere of our city, we are driving out the demonic. We are driving out that which brings distress and vexation over our city. And we're replacing it with peace and with power and with tranquility and with justice and with freedom and with righteousness. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Come on, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing of God on these magnificent sons and daughters. And if you're going through warfare, and I'm saying if, because the truth is you all are. It's just we don't, we don't. church is the funniest place. How many people are struggling? All right, put your hand up if you're breathing. Put your hand up if you've got a heartbeat. All right, keep your hands down. If nothing I say, you'll, you'll ever let, raise your hand for. Oh, um, oh, crap, he just, he confused me. You know, it's like, so funny, so funny. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Every single one of you are in warfare. Why? Because the Holy Ghost in you is taking you forward. And he takes you forward in with no other agenda but for you to increase your authority, for you to increase your dominion, for you to increase your influence, for you to increase the territory you rule over. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the war above, the war within, and the war around, that we have authority in all three dimensions. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.